Vishu. Vishu is a partner at PM Power Consulting. In his career of over 28 years, Vishu has played many roles from an individual contributor in large teams including the Light Combat Aircraft Project to being a research assistant at the Indian Institute of Science. He went on to improve the quality of the systems and products created in the corporate world. As a management team member at Mindtree, he helped the company scale the processes as the organization grew from a few hundred to a few thousand employees. His other interests include homeopathy in which he has a formal qualification, interpreting ancient wisdom in contemporary context and more recently applying mindfulness practices to become more effective in everyday life. Welcome Vishu. Thanks thanks you. Um I don't think I did justice to introducing you. No, it was very really surprised. <laughs> yeah. So if there is something that I missed out yeah please feel to feel free to add. Yeah this is perfectly fine. Okay. So um the first curiosity question that I have hmm. is that um uh, with all these multiple interests you know which are uh, in fairly different areas how do you like your career in it okay uh, it's uh, very interesting in fact i i was observing as i was evolving in a sense uh, right from my first job in the indian institute of science uh, i always felt like there was a two parallel paths running in my career or life one was this professional life uh, another one i would say my interest uh interest in trekking mountaineering uh, a lot of nature related and music uh, then those yeah uh, yoga meditation all these things uh, then i started seeing that they are very interrelated the they are reinforcing each other in a sense mm-hmm. so i could draw from my uh, other interests into the professional side for example the in trekking there is this concept of Uh, as a team how do you make progress while trekking or mountaineering so that everybody mo- makes progress uh, because some people may be good at some people may be lagging behind or struggling uh, so you can't just leave somebody and just go along uh, sometimes i used to play a role of uh, pathfinder you know the front uh, figure out a way and then uh, where to climb and how to make way sometimes go to the bot- the the bottom of the queue or the uh, you know the last person so that i can bring everybody together mm. so very similar thing even in a team context while running projects sometimes it's like uh, i have to lead from the front sometimes i have to be supporting and carrying everybody from the back and allow somebody else to be situationally lead the whole team as so i could very clearly correlate these from some other part of my life into the professional life so i saw them coexisting and mutually reinforcing actually very nice i never thought of it that way <laughs> um, but yeah i think this has also been a theme that i've heard you talk about you know, in our many long years of association which is uh, you know, learning from unusual sources so since you do both in a trekking as well as in it uh, you, i think you were able to find those mappings uh, was there any other unusual source that you think would be useful for it professionals to you know look up to or you know, learn from 
Yeah, another very big area I found very useful was uh, say yoga, meditation or dealing with mind basically. I, I saw that the more I am able to deal with myself, I, I was able to deal with people and situations in the work context much better. And that thought process actually started developing and that's how this knowledge era paradigms were you know, relating to software industry as a you know, very mentally intensive activity, human intensive process. Unlike dealing with objects and phenomena outside like in manufacturing or construction industries. That's where those thought processes influenced developing the mindful knowledge era paradigms and subsequently going further down into mindfulness where managing outside by mastering inside kind of a concepts. Those things got influenced from the yoga meditation practices. So this is another big learning from some other area, applying it into professional area where I could see great help for personally for me and I could see a lot of my teammates adopting that actually. Mm, very nice. Uh, but I think in the context of this conversation, um, probably I think you know, mindfulness may need its own separate conversation. It's a very elaborate subject. So you said that over the years you have learned many of these things and have also been applying it to your own you know, uh, practices. Can you share some incidents maybe say early in your career uh, which in hindsight or if you look at it now based on mm. what you know you might have probably done differently or maybe another situation which happened probably later in your career which you handled very differently. Sure, sure. Very much actually because one thing which very prominently strikes my mind uh, was that while I was in Motorola see I had this kind of a I would say inferiority complex I came from say public sector like ADA and I used to look up these private sector people as you know very jazzy and very hi-fi and I used to feel very small actually and uh, I had a great fear uh, you know fear of failure fear of making mistakes fear of losing face fear of criticism so I used to be very ineffective in meetings or moment there is a group of people. When I'm alone, I used to be a super thinker, creative ideas, lot of things. But the moment I'm with people and meetings, I won't talk at all. Uh, because fear is to take away 50% of my bandwidth, mental mm -hmm. bandwidth. I was not able to come out of that, even though I knew that it was happening like that. Uh, irrespective of any number of trainings and management coachings or you know attending great leadership programs I was intellectually aware but was not able to bring it into practice uh, I, I used to say this it's like uh, learning swimming through correspondence course mm -hmm. <laughs> I know all the theory but pushed into water I'm not able to swim mm -hmm. then when I started practicing uh, meditation and uh, yoga it dramatically changed. No more I, I have to intellectually think that I should not be afraid, I should be courageous or I should just speak out, etc. It was not at all required. It was natural transformation. Then later when I started reading the neuroscience research of how this changes in the brain and the hormones in the endocrine system, etc. I could relate that actually internal systems changed. That's a phenomenal transformation for myself. Wow. I don't know how much outside people would have observed that, but it was phenomenally a different change. I mean, shift uh, within myself. 
yeah again as a an outside or a distant outside observer uh, some of the roles that you have played are actually fairly tough roles particularly the the quality or the process or the operational business excellence kind of a role uh, in a growing organization you know where you need to visualize some outcomes hmm. which are not there let's say today hmm. but then achieve those through you know teams or people hmm. who don't directly report to you so how do you handle such things i think guess in many of uh, even our you know, software teams Mm. we face these challenges where uh, there is a one line specification that you get but unless you understand what exactly is needed or what uh, you know you create maybe consumed by somebody else to you know uh, build a larger solution in all these cases when things are not directly in your control uh, how do you handle these i think uh, wonderful question because i can relate it so much uh, especially when i uh, joined mindtree Mm-hmm. uh because it was a uh, in a few hundreds of people when they joined when i joined then uh, i was there till it became about 10000 people organization so it's a uh, a big growth story in that sense uh, that means many stages of uh, growth and changes that would happen during that period mm-hmm. uh, so i was heading quality and uh, the uh, biggest challenge was to influence the change because Uh, as a change agent nobody reports to me in the organization mm-hmm. other than uh, my own team members in the quality function mm-hmm. but i am responsible and accountable to bring the quality dimension into the entire organization uh, so it's a kind of an influencing role and uh, i had great support from leaders like ashok sukta and subrata bakchi i still remember the my interview conversations uh, it was not an interview it was actually very bidirectional discussion about what is the right way to set up this kind of function and what should be the role of my role as well as their role as leaders so okay. it was a very interesting conversation in the beginning so uh, i was supposed to be reporting to ashok suta if that okay. recruitment uh, goes through so one of the points i made to him was that uh i will be change agent but he will be the change actor mm. uh, that means quality he needs to drive the quality through his line and we i also discussed about some protocols for example in a common meetings mm. uh, he should not ask me a question about quality or process but mm. he should ask that question directly to his business heads mm. delivery heads line managers but he can ask me the same questions uh, separately when they are not okay. there okay because this is very important to establish that so that always the ownership is established in the line at the same time i am also equally accountable but that needs to be separately handled mm, right. uh, and it was greatly appreciated that way uh, so in fact i said that if these kind of arrangements are okay then only i'll join so it was very welcome actually and by them mm. and uh, subsequently it worked wonderfully that way so i cherish those moments and that's a tough challenge and i think it's a, it seems to be very simple to you know, when you hear it ha uh, yeah saying that you do this but then i guess this protocol of uh, how things are handled mm. 
in a team in a group as an organization and individual roles i think it's a good uh, tip yeah in so, fact while implementing that there were many challenges because uh, many people in the line they used to think that quality is my responsibility mm. uh, but when ashok sutta would ask them mm-hmm. they would think why are you asking me kind of a <laughs> 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 and in the meeting he won't ask me anything there uh-uh. Uh, yeah i remember uh, in um, one of my things when we were going for the iso 9000 no those is the first time hmm. teams would say do you want me to do the project or do you want you to do quality <laughs> uh, of course quality at that time was associated with just documentation hmm. not about the product quality of what is being developed yeah so you have any uh, okay, what was the toughest situation you had to face in your career one of the toughest situations was uh, when i went to motorola singapore on a technology transfer mission motorola singapore was handling a complete product line on uh, pagers and cell phones and uh, motorola india was seen as a you know software center of excellence okay so motorola was trying to become more of a software oriented company from a hardware company okay so on that basis actually i went to singapore and i was covering japan korea singapore china because that sector was addressing these regions uh-huh. and uh, my role was i was the uh, i was supposed to bring the software excellence in all these centers okay um the biggest challenge was that there everybody from top to bottom were very hardware experts mm. uh, manufacturing experts of course business they were very good in terms of sales marketing financial aspects supply chain all those areas uh, but when the these products used to go to the field like the singapore telecom or thai telecom lot of issues used to be get reported from the field and when people classify the defect they used to attribute to 80% of the defects are related to software okay uh, so it was a very big pressure on me saying that i need to now bring down those software defects within 6 months uh, then i had to explain them where the source of that problem was mm-hmm. i i was able to analyze but i was not able to communicate to them because it was not where they were looking at it was very far away from uh, you know the effect versus the cause okay i had to take many analogy for example uh, seen hardware they can f- fix it very easily in the next uh, next unit being manufactured uh, because each one is a new build whereas software has already happened it's the same code that keeps on going into the new units they were not able to understand those differences i used to take this analogy of hardware is body software is soul you know <laughs> and uh, hardware can change uh, but mm. software <coughs> continues to reincarnate uh, that struck them actually because lot of them buddhists and uh, then i could show that problem was in marketing it was not really in software because marketing was pushing too many features into this product uh, because comparing with some competition and trying to bring new features uh, not realizing the impact of the complexity in the software and the manufacturing line and the okay. it system to process that okay uh, and i took a set of engineers to singapore telecom and thai telecom and did an analysis that only 10% of the features are really used okay so this 90% was adding to all the complexity so then it became a big initiative called complexity reduction program uh, so they cut down all these things 
then it brought down those 80% software defects it wow. took two years actually so that was a very challenging situation but also at the end it was uh, very satisfying <laughs> so you have any tips for aspiring it professionals in general and professionals who want to get into the quality line today and uh, when you say qa most of the time you know, they are uh, understood or uh, equated to the testing professionals mm. Mm. the quality assurance function mm. as such is probably not uh, very well understood so what yes. would be your tips yeah. or my guidance for them in, in fact i see that's good because for example in agile quality is very much built in into the uh, way of doing things and there is no separate like a quality assurance or a typical process quality organization or a professional trying to enforce a process or those kind of things so it's uh, in a sense really quality is built in I, i would say the people have to recognize the engineers that it's not about producing the features but it's about the quality because that's the biggest differentiator both from you know customer retention cost uh, repeat customers if you look at any of those things even brand retention so you know there's a saying which uh, which says something like uh, the distaste of poor quality lasts much longer than the sweetness of meeting schedule wow mm. <laughs> so we tend to look for immediate instant gratification but we don't realize that this poor quality actually haunts much longer down the line i think we need to realize that so that it becomes more uh, focus all the time within mm-hmm. the team so i would say this is one kind of a recommendation for the engineers who are actually involved in developing uh, for the second part instead of more of a quality professionals now i see more of a coaches like mm-hmm. in agile context mm. it are similar role i would say for coaches my recommendation is to understand this facilitative leadership and the influencing styles mm-hmm. uh, way of influencing and making it happen uh, instead of trying to direct the team how to build that ownership within them developing that uh, capability will be i think uh, will be a great differentiator yeah what is your take on uh, technology you know now there's a lot of talk about uh, machine learning ai and that making software developers redundant uh, my take is that it's actually the shift in fact i remember i started my first programming in uh, iac it was in uh, assembly language <laughs> mm-hmm. 8086 processor and assembly language so since then it the industry has come a long way in terms of way of developing this intelligence into the products you know I, i would say software is basically building intelligence into the product uh, so it's going next level one more step above and every time for example the compilers came this assembly level programming become much easier i would say similar way i think ai will actually help in some of the lower level automated stuff but it moves one more step for the people to create something higher i think it's a shift instead of it's not just you know everything losing yeah we should i think if we go on i think we can go on for a very long time uh, so yes. many things so many interesting things uh, even though again as i said you know, we've known each other for a long time you know some of these 
are no brilliant and absolutely new i am also discovering um, thanks thanks so, for the questions which were actually triggering the thoughts <laughs> yeah i will probably come back to you we'll have some more conversations i think we hardly touched you no know, mindfulness because i think that is a very very important topic we'll uh, you know, go deeper into that in one of our future conversations sure but for now i'm sure uh, our audience would also have enjoyed this and uh, they might also have some questions and definitely you know when we get any questions yeah we will uh, share that and then we'll be able to get back to them sure okay. yeah so thanks a lot wish you thank you thanks a lot shiv